And welcome back to another Impact from the Impact Education YouTube. This is episode 111. I'm your host, IE3 Project, Vernon Third. Tonight's panelist is Delna Bryan. Delna Bryan, please again say hello to the people. Good evening, one and all, in Dallas and around the country that are listening to this podcast. Welcome. They are so welcome here. You know, tonight I feel like it's going to be a night of resources. And, you know, resources other than that of, of technology, but more or less a universal educational strategy. Uh, tonight's topic is world languages in the virtual classroom. Why is this so important that school leaders should understand both the benefits and the misfortunes of applying principles of universal instructional design in teaching world languages, especially on the post-secondary level. Historically, language education reformers worked in the wake of the Romantics. They were deeply influenced by their love of popular culture and dialects and the speech of the common people and by some sort of transitive relationship this love of popular culture and dialect study was in turn a shot in the arm for the study of living languages thus of phonetics associated subcultures today we must keep in mind that these various approaches to language teaching as well as current research on second language acquisition focusing especially on communicative language teaching this is followed by practical suggestions for improving classroom practice to meet the needs of all students with diverse language styles and learning styles and cultural styles and backgrounds, including those with physical and learning challenges. Tonight, I believe we are going to have clear direction. I believe we're going to have clear a clear vision to help us not only prepare, but also to identify what is needed and necessary ahead of us. Well, with that being said, Ms. Bryant, what you got going on now, because we know that you are uh, deeply rooted in education as a master teacher that you are, but what you got going on currently? I am presently teaching at Young Men's Leadership Academy. I'm teaching from discovering languages at the sixth grade level, Spanish 1, Spanish 2, and pre-AP Spanish. So I have a cross-section of students. I have diverse students, students with learning difficulties, students with IEPs. It's an exciting year. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when, when you speak, I, I hear uh, this, this type of, I would say, uh, reconnection, uh, reconnection to, you know, some of the things that have been lost uh, throughout 
uh, the different developmental stages of youth, especially, you know, uh, post-COVID-19 and even uh, going into uh, COVID-19. And I believe this gives us a, uh, a special occasion tonight, a special occasion to uh, have the opportunity, have the opportunity to, to uh, hear someone interject uh, to the listening audience those necessary, I would say, vitamins that are so uh, crucial uh, during this time. Uh, with that being said, my first question for you is, some of our students in grades K-12 may be directly impacted by COVID-19 illness themselves, or they may be providing care for a family member sick with COVID-19. Students in these circumstances may reach out to you or other educators for some more flexibility, you know, as it relates to uh, assignments, turning their assignments on time, or even class uh, room requirements. Um, you know, what are some of the behaviors uh, that that you have noticed from your your high performance uh, students, right? Uh, during the uh, well, I would say the hybrid learning, the, the remote learning, uh, the distant learning uh, at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic and how did it affect uh, their, I would say, cognitive ability or their, their uh, ability to, uh, I would say, retain information? I think that would be my question for you. First question, warming up tonight, Ms. Bryant. When you talk about students retaining information Students coming back from COVID, because we have had diverse students coming back from having been quarantined for two weeks. Last year, while we were virtually, and this year, while we are back in the school, they come back, and this phenomenon that they talk about in adults, that there's a fog, a brain fog, is real. We are going to have to look for some neurologists. This is beyond the teacher. The teacher might recognize it, but we need to get extra help from these people that are scientists to help the students, they themselves might recognize what they used to be able to remember, what they used to be able to pick up easily because of their learning style has now become a little more difficult. There's nothing wrong with them. It's because of the virus. Some have not been vaccinated, and it's even more difficult when they're not vaccinated because of their age. Then when they get back to the building, because some are coming back after spending the entire 2021 school year at home, 
They are encountering friends who do not have the discipline anymore to be in a classroom. They don't know how to function in an everyday setting where you have maybe 14, 15, 20 other people in the room with you. It is difficult for them to sit. It is difficult for them to internalize what is going on. It is not easy. Now you, the teacher, really have to be a master magician to be able to grasp all the nuances that are going on with the student who's coming back from quarantine, maybe a second time coming back from quarantine because of some virus at the home or with the student themselves and the students who are your behavior problem. Now put on your hat or hats, your multiple hats, and put all that together and try to teach. Because there are a lot of things some of them have to relearn. They didn't learn it the first time. Now they're relearning all these things. But you're expected to do all that and more because you're the teacher. You are the visionary who can see what is going on to be able to help the student navigate his or her future. Sir? You know, as you were speaking, I could not help but think back back to the the time when you know things were simple in education. The things like crossword puzzles, uh, things like flashcards that that teachers gave us to use as resources, as as strategies to to learn our curriculum so that we can pass these different tests. And it, and it, it kind of pulls me to ask you a question so that we can pull from you a, a response that's valid and that is not only aware, but also necessary for the moment that we are in right now. And the question is, why should school leadership strategies focus on curriculums to access new resources because we're seeing districts using you know all these different resources these new resources they're good uh like paradigm like nearpod like you know ad puzzle and, and so so many more quizzes and so many splash runs, so many, so many resources. Uh, but 
those, those basic, those older, those older teaching strategies, like I mentioned earlier, like the flashcards, the, the crossword puzzles, you know, they, they use a different side of uh, your brain, I believe. And, it's, and I think they're, they're good, especially for, for uh, you know, I would say those adolescents in those low SES communities. Would you share with us? Can we walk with you? Can we share a conversation? Hear your thoughts? What are your thoughts as it relates to you know all of these different these different new uh, resources that that children have at their disposal? You know, versus you know, are they really retaining this information? Right? Are they are they passionate? Are they having fun? Uh, are they too closely related to video games? And, and how can we, I mean, how can we really, I would say, understand this better from your lens, if that would make sense, if that makes sense at all? It makes a lot of sense. You cannot throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yes. Again, this depends on you, the teacher. You definitely have to know your classes. You have to know your students. You have to know their learning styles. You have to know their needs. You have to know what accommodations, what modifications some of them might need. It is just not one cookie cutter slice that you are going to blanket for all of them. There are some students that need the Quizlets and the Ed Puzzles and yes, all the new resources that are coming on board. But then you have that basic going back to the student who need a slower pace who might need a simple flashcard I went to the dollar store and bought some simple we're talking numbers in Spanish how to buy or how to go shopping how to exchange if they're in Guatemala how to exchange quetzals to dollars, from dollars to quetzales. If they're in Venezuela, how to change bolivares to whatever, dollars to bolivares. If they're in Mexico, pesos to whatever. But the numbers don't mean anything to some. Yet when they saw a simple multiplication flashcard, the numbers came together. They saw a simple division flashcard, the numbers came together. It helped them internalize what they were doing. So you have to have a combination of different resources a combination of different strategies, a combination of different techniques, 
you might have the best made lesson plans you walk in and it worked first period you might have the same level group third period it will not work because you have different students so you have to know right away how to make your modifications how to make your adjustments to meet the needs of the students that you have I'm all for everything that is resources that is coming down the pike but do not throw away some of the old strategies that worked we're talking operations going back to learning my numbers for this beginners class and one child said to me oh you're talking about i told i use the word subtraction and he said oh you're talking about takeaway yes that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about takeaway i'm talking multiplication oh you're talking i have to use my time tables so therefore you also have to speak their language where they're coming from they might be coming from a middle school or they might be coming from an elementary school where the teacher used different terminologies you the teacher now with all the resources you have must listen listen to that student and know how to adapt how to accommodate how to meet the needs if you want to be successful with that student <laughs> sir mind blowing mind blowing listen audience you are hearing 40 years of classroom management <laughs> you know for those for those aspiring educators for those young educators this is so 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 precious what we have just heard i, I want you to share this with some of your colleagues share this with some of your friends start a movement listen that was the voice of jona brian wow um i i call her honorable <laughs> she doesn't like that but it's because of uh, the level of speaking um and and the platforms uh, that she uh that she speaks on that she has been uh, involved with and it's that relationship that I'm talking about with education and that educational leadership uh, that is so vital that is so necessary to help us stay courageous to help us stay resilient to help us stay motivated and intentional uh yeah so the topic tonight is um before i ask you the next question miss brand so for the listeners the topic tonight we're talking about world languages and in the virtual classroom okay and so you know what i want to ask miss brand um what how do you feel where's your heart at 
when it comes to world languages in the virtual classroom you know how do you feel about that because you know we have so many uh, tutorials for uh, learning different languages out there and you can of course share that as well with the listening audience but you know where what's your thoughts about you know teaching world languages in the virtual environment is it i mean is it is it is it possible right is it relatable is it successful based off your experience what are your thoughts it is very possible it is very necessary teaching world languages in a virtual classroom everything is at your fingertips Spanish is the official language of 21 countries. But we have different regions, what we call regionalisms. So I can access Argentinians. I can access Spaniards from Spain virtually. I can access Costa Ricans for my students to hear the different region and the different accents. Yes, we all speak Spanish as a universal language, but we have different accents. That's at my fingertips with the virtual classroom. I have 29 countries speaking French. I let my students know in discovering language, whenever I walk into the classroom, whatever language I greet them in, that's the language that they're supposed to answer me in. So I say to them, Bonjour, comment allez-vous? My accent might be totally different from a Frenchman in France. Virtually, I can get that for them to hear. We have 10 countries, it's not only Brazil, 10 countries whose official language is Portuguese. We have four countries whose official language is Italian. 20 countries, we think only China, but there are 20 countries where Chinese is the official language. And thanks to YouTube and other virtual devices that are at our fingertips, we can access the different intonations, the different pronunciations, the different things that we need to help our students enunciate and pronounce the words the way they think it should be. Whenever some say, oh, I can't do that, I challenge them and I let them know. If you can sing a rap song, if you can pronounce all the words in a rap song, 
and have the, re the right beat, the beat is going, you can do this language. There is no such thing as I can't. Let us try. Let us do. And I must say, when they're challenged, I can speak for quite a few of them. They rise to the occasion. They meet the challenge. I'm proud of them to say that. The virtual classroom helps tremendously in teaching a world language. It can be done. Sir? I heard so much exposure. You shared with us the many outlets, the many resources that's out there that are vital. And this is based off of your years of experience. I want to, you know, I'll, it looks like we're out of time, but before we go, I, I want to ask, I want to ask you one thing. How, how long does it take typically to learn a language? And, and how important is it? Uh, and, for, and this is for the listening audience. To, to stay aware of, of the, the current political situations that are impacting the different, you know, I would say, because mainly I believe you are, are Latin and French, but I would, I would say we will stick with, with Latin. But what are the main uh, concerns that are facing those Latin countries, those Latin speaking countries, Spanish speaking countries uh, in, in the world today and in their different communities that? You know, we need to be aware of. And so, yeah, so uh, my questions are, how long does it take typically to learn a language, to be fluent in a language? And why is it so important that we, uh, as a listener, understand where the current situation is happening now in Latin America? So that's it as we wrap it up for the night. Thank you. According to APFO and all the language studies, world language gurus, it takes eight years to learn a language and master the language to speak it fluently. But most people don't have or they don't think it should take them eight years. I have always, over the years of teaching world languages, let my students know the first thing that they have to get accustomed to the language is their ear. They need to hear the language. So for them that are learning Spanish, the other day we had from bachatas, to reggae, reggaeton. We had rock, Latino. They had all these different genres in music that I wanted my students to hear the songs 
to identify the genre, let me know what country they were coming from. Some of them said, oh, I've heard that song before. I've heard that song at my home. My father listens to that song and I just smile. They couldn't recognize some of the songs. Some were coming from Cuba. We know that since 1960, Cuba is under a dictatorship. That's not going to change. But that does not change their language. They're one of the supreme group of language spoken Spanish that is critical to our students hearing. Venezuela is the home of music, the universal language in the world. They need to hear, forget the politics for a while. They need to hear some Venezuelans speak. They need to understand, forget the politics. The other day they heard the Colombian president address the United Nations. They need to hear these people put politics aside for a few minutes and focus on the language. We need to have our students well-versed to meet the global world in which they're going to be living in these different languages, with these different regionalisms and intonations around the world. The important thing is for them to master understanding the language, hearing the language, speaking the language, later on reading the language and writing the language. Sir? Well, it's time for the epilogue, it's time for the epilogue. With that being said, is there one takeaway you would like to leave the audience with so that they can ponder on and think about, Ms. Bryant? My takeaway for the audience would be be strong, be courageous. This is not an easy battle. This is not an easy storm that we're going through. But it will get better. In time, it will get better. Be not dismayed. Be not discouraged. Find yourselves some sounding boards. Find yourselves some friends who are like-minded. Who you can call on to uplift your spirits. 
It's tough, but the tough can get going. We have students to produce citizens for tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. And tonight's topic was World Languages in the Virtual Classroom. Our special guest tonight was Miss Delna Bryant. Thank you.